Welcome to Bat Therapy, psychology of Batman, superheroes, and other comic book characters. Be a fly on the wall or a bat in the cave, listening in on a friendship built out of a love for talking Batman, comics, and the everyday struggle to achieve mental health and happiness. We are your hosts, clinical psychologist Dr. Amelia Brown and educator and comic aficionado Keaton Hopkins. Don't forget to follow us on YouTube and social media and find our Patreon at patreon.com slash therapy. This podcast is about providing education and understanding and is not a replacement for mental health treatment or support. If you're needing help, go to bat-therapy.com for resources. Sweet. So I'm really excited about the villain that we are doing today. We're doing Bane. Yeah, let's do it. Controversial character for me, just because what they did with him in Dark Knight Rises, I loved every bit of him, and then it just went bad. It just went bad, and it left a bad taste in my mouth. But he's a very cool character. Yeah, I think, if I remember correctly, in that movie, they told his story as Bane, and then they said, oh, just kidding, Talia al Ghul is the one that went yeah. through all the stuff. Isn't that what they did? Absolutely. That's exactly what they did. Out of nowhere, it was like, hey, actually, he works for Talia, and Talia's been the one behind the scenes, but not the whole time. And then it's like, oh, snap, that's Talia al Ghul. Surely she's going to be a beast. She's going to be a force to be reckoned with. And then she just dies in a car crash. Yes. I, I I don't think we can go a month without you sharing how you feel about this movie. And I'm I'm here for it. Yes. Yeah. Well, it, I, it's because, so this is what makes Bane interesting. Bane might just be Batman's ultimate villain yes. in the sense that he can match him mentally and mm-hmm. physically. Agreed. Yeah. Which, which is another level, right? Right. We've talked about how Riddler can outthink Batman yep. at times, right? Someone like Ra's al Ghul, who's just lived long enough to just have mm-hmm. more knowledge, just tactician type person, right? But Bane is the best of all of these worlds. He's extremely yeah. brilliant. He's a masterful tactician. He will outthink you. In Mm -hmm. so many different ways, he'll have people inside and you didn't even know they were there. But at the same time, he's physically intimidating as well. He's so huge and and strong and just a force to be reckoned with. And it, it makes him an extremely interesting character. It also makes him an extremely like, I think he's a very likable character, especially once you you really get into his backstory. Mm. So with Nightfall, I don't know how likable he is. Yeah, he's not very, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which I, admittedly for me, I see that as the introduction of the character, but I don't know that historically if that is true or not. But he was so calculating behind the scenes in Nightfall. And, and truly, I mean, this was a comic that really was like, how would you break the bat? And they said, real, and and I agree with you. That's what's so interesting about Bane is they make the super souped up, beefed up, mus- muscle man 
Yeah. And they didn't stop there. They said, oh, no, no, no. He's not going to just try and take out Batman muscle for muscle. Because in Nightfall, what was so interesting was he literally used all of the other villains possible Mm -hmm. to break Batman down bit by bit by bit so that he's literally dragging his feet when Bane attacks him in his own home, because by the way, he's smart enough to figure out who Batman is. Yeah. And yeah. so, yeah, it's, it's, I, yeah. So I don't know how likable I found him. He, he was just a very calculative character. However, when they go into his backstory, yes, I do agree that it's, it, you hear about this child that went through all of this terrible stuff yes. and survived. Yes. And of course, corrupt government is at it all because he's from santa prisca his dad was a supervillain called like i think his name was king snake um but he didn't know he was his dad for a while right yeah yeah i think yeah he didn't know he was his dad for a while and then he got away his dad got away with like all the bad things he did and the government was like let's just give his kid his life sentence and so (laughs) Like, yeah, he... As you do. Right? Like, I'm like, where... I I respect that comic books know how over the top they have to be because of how naturally evil the world is on its own. Comic books are like, what can we do? Let's give a baby life in prison. Like, (laughs) right? Like, that's the only way they can do it. Because if they said, hey... Let's sentence a 12-year-old to life in prison. It's like, oh, well, that happened in Louisiana last week, whatever. But if if you say, oh, he's like, he's let, let's give this baby life in the yeah. deepest, darkest, worst prison ever. And then it reflects, too, in Bane's size. Like, how many times have we mm. seen Batman and we're like, Batman, super ripped, so many abs, super <laughs> okay. strong. And then for Bane, they're like, okay we really have to go overboard on the muscles yeah. to make him intimidating yeah. it's next like when, to Batman. It's like when you see a tall person and then you see them stand next to Shaquille O'Neal. Right. Yeah. And then right. you're like, oh. Oh. <laughs> Never mind. Yeah. Never mind. Right? It's, yeah, and it's, it's, <laughs> and it's, I, uh, it's funny because it made me think about when you're, when you're in school and, and you always have like a school bully and mm. it might be like elementary school and middle school, that bully is just there. And then for some reason, when they get to high school, when all those middle schools come together at the high school, it's like, oh, look, you're not the biggest bully anymore, are you? <laughs> because there's always just someone bigger and that's how i feel about bane like batman is always just this force to be reckoned with the way that he's portrayed because Mm -hmm. when you think about how batman is portrayed and it's it's the funniest thing in the world when you like imagine being a villain and you're just like robbing a store at night and all of a sudden you just see robin laughing at you That the most intimidating thing is not that there's a child laughing at you. It's that that probably means Batman is right behind you about to break something. (laughs) And so that I think you're actually pointing out the what I find to be the fatal flaw with Bane. So Bane is 
physically superior and arguably at least a lot of the storylines, it'll essentially have him be a better tactician like you're talking about than Batman. He ends up being a step or five ahead and just whittling Batman down slowly into nothing. And then he uses his physical prowess. So you have all of these things that arguably set him up to take out Batman. Yes. And what seems to get in his way in a number of the storylines where he does pit himself because he wants to be challenged. So he goes after Batman because he says, "Mm, I want to see how I can take that guy out. (laughs) And what I think gets in his way is he has always had to be alone. Yes. And he, from a young age, all these terrible things, he had to set himself up and, and he tried to remove all of his vulnerabilities because the vulnerabilities are were used against him from literally being a baby. And he treats Batman in a similar way, as if Batman is on his own. But he forgets that Batman is not alone. Right. Even though Batman, even though Bruce Wayne kind of acts like it, but he's not alone. He always has, he has his Robins, he has his sidekicks, he has Alfred, he has these other people in his life. And he doesn't always use them when he should. But at the end of the day, um, in Nightfall, he has Alfred there for him. And if you take like City City of Bane, which we'll go into Keaton's issues with this storyline, this more recent storyline. But in in City of Bane, he has uh, Catwoman. And um, once again, he's got the Robins. And he has all of these people behind him. And that is where Bane becomes overly confident because yes. he, he thinks that he has ridded himself of vulnerabilities. He can't fail. He can't fail. But what he doesn't realize is there's strength to those relationships. And Batman has that strength and he doesn't. Yeah. And and that's why, yeah. And it kind of reminds me, it's it's almost this, it's a lot of it reminds me of uh, Riddler's, Riddler's downfall. Mm. He's like, I'm the smartest guy in the room. No one can tell me anything. No one can outthink me. Uh-huh. I've I've made the ultimate trap. I've made the ultimate mind like mind device. Like he's he's and 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 Bane does the same thing, except yeah. Bane is so much more extravagant, it seems like. Like he will just get everyone in on it. And yeah. what's also interesting with him is I feel like Bane is one of those characters where one of his big differences is. He changes it up a little bit every time. Yeah. Like before, like with, with Nightfall, he just straight up broke Batman's bat. It's like, yeah. boom, you're broken. I've physically broken the bat. And that whole storyline is all about him, Batman, physically coming back yeah. and beating Bane. Whereas, I mean, like, like, first pause. Holy yeah. shit. This guy broke Batman's back. Right. Yeah. And it so is, that's his starting yeah. point. And then yeah. what what was what were you going to bring up for another example? Well, and then you move towards like uh Tom King's City of Bane run. Yeah. And he's like I've done it physically before. I'm going to break him mentally now and I'm going to do mm-hmm. it in the most elaborate ways. I'm going to make him think that I'm going to I'm going to make him him think that he's he's not in his right mind. I'm going to make his friends think that that he's he's not all there. Like and it's it is. I mean just, that whole storyline yeah. is 
Yeah, where he really questions his mortality, what it is to be Batman, what it requires to be Batman, even having Catwoman and other people question what is required for him to be Batman, Yeah, uh, have these innocent young adults who then have superpowers who come into play yeah. um, as well. I mean, yeah, it's this whole, that's Bane's vibe when he is at his peak is these intricate plans yeah. that, that you like see later and you're like, oh my God. And he's like, yeah, first time I broke him physically, this time I'm breaking him mentally. And you're sitting there reading it and it's like, Batman is being gaslit right now. Like, is that, <laughs> is, is, is that really where we are? Like, Batman's being gaslit and then like there's so much stuff happening because Thomas Wayne is in on it and he's yeah. like doing evil stuff as Batman and then Commissioner Gordon is mad at Batman and the Bat family <laughs> is mad at Batman and he just gets him and he just isolates him and gets him right where yeah. he wants him and it's just he's he's so intricate and fun to watch and it's one of those things he's a villain that you love to hate because he's so good like as yeah. i read whenever i read a bane story at the end of each issue in the arc i'm like damn it, he's got him there too like it's like yep. it's like yeah. man like he he takes on this role that we're used to loving about batman yes because think about what what you and i really truly love about batman you you put him into the justice league with literal gods in some mm -hmm. ways and he can leave a room without them noticing. He can be one to five steps ahead of them at every turn, even though they are like as fast as the speed of light, sometimes even faster, right? Right. Like, it, all of these things that we love about Batman. And then you plop it into this giant meaty bane and you just see what happens when it goes evil. Yeah. Or, I mean, I, I guess depending on the storyline how much you might like call it evil or whatnot but he really does he he wants to take batman out at times and he yeah it's yeah. wow it, it yeah it just it's comparable or beyond what batman does yeah and so and the thing is another thing that's interesting about him is also on the side he has this venom addiction Yes. Mm -hmm. That's what's all that's what also makes him interesting. And so it's it's you know, you hear the term like functioning alcoholic. He's uh, a functioning supervillain. <laughs> like yeah. he's a functioning addict, essentially. Like because yep. so many times it's like Bane one thing that's known about Bane, yeah, he's super smart, he is super strong, and he is hooked on yes venom and and you see it throughout in batman the animated series what's the trick take his venom away in any of in all of the arkham games that he shows up in how do we beat bane take his venom away that is just how you beat him every single time that's his uh. his weakness is he at first had a an addiction and then it became more and more dependent to the point that in some storylines, Bane will die yeah. without the Venom, which is honestly realistic in some form, because when you talk about like certain uh, certain drug addictions, like when people mm -hmm. are going through withdrawals, if they try and quit 
like cold turkey, it can, be it can have extremely harmful physical effects after long-term addiction. And, yeah. and so it's, he's, he's very interesting in that aspect as well. Yeah. And, you know, there can also be, so with venom, there's, de de depending on how it's approached, you see these different kinds of addiction. And so addiction can have, there can be these pieces of it that are more like behavioral and emotional in context where we feel dependent on a drug or, or we, it seems as if we need it to be able to manage things or be able to go through our day or, um, it, it feels good. But then there's also like, you're talking about this physiological piece that can occur as well. And especially over time, there are certain drugs that do this more than others, but over time you can build up a tolerance in your body mm -hmm. where it takes more and more and more of a drug. And usually what happens is a lot of times people, when they take a drug the first time or maybe even handful or groupings of times, it feels good. They get something out of it that they like, mm -hmm. but over time, the more you take it, you need more, uh, your body adjusts to it being there. And usually what happens is you shift from taking it to feel better to taking it to just try and get back to baseline again. Mm -hmm. And this happens more and more and more and more. And yeah, when it comes to Venom, they describe it from the beginning of when Venom came up in the comics. Like this is, this is a nasty drug that, mm -hmm. yeah, it really gives you strength and prowess. But I mean, Batman himself actually took Venom I really like that storyline and and he had he was looking real rough when he mm -hmm. had to kick venom. Um yeah. so I, yeah, I think another thing they have in common, right? Uh I yeah, I find it really interesting that they bring addiction in with Bane. Although, you know, in some ways they kind of I don't know. Um it, it Sometimes I, I feel like they kind of write it off as like, oh, it just is what makes him big and beefy. But I like when they get into the fact that um, he struggles with it mm -hmm. and what happens when you take it away. Yeah. Yeah. To the point that like, and, and I've seen some storylines even where he's addicted to it and he hates it, which is yes, something that is, that. Yeah. which is something mm -hmm. that is so realistic yeah that's what like, i really like about those times when they treat it that way yeah it's it's something that's so realistic when he hits that point because it's like it it when it's something that you've never personally dealt with or seen someone close to you deal with it's hard to believe it's like okay here how is someone this smart or yeah. this strong or this yeah. brilliant yeah. such an like an addict to something seemingly small, right? Yeah. Especially it's the brain, like a, yeah. man. The brain gets pulled in so much, and you're so right. There's this belief that you have to be stupid, or you right. have to be ignorant, or you have to be, or your, or your life is terrible, or there are all these beliefs that we often have about what what it means about a person if they become addicted to a substance. Mm -hmm. But the fact of the matter is, is there are chemical changes there are things in the brain happening and it's not just about it's not just about willpower 
Right. By any right. means. And and that's one of the things that the Batman Venom uh, storyline, I think, can maybe give the misconception because he essentially holds himself up and, and wills himself. He, he Batmans himself out of it, you know, right. as he does. Right. And, and some people can do that. Like, you know, I've worked with people and they're like, I, it got so bad. And I said, you know what? I'm just stopping cold turkey. Uh, but for a lot of people, that's not the case. And they can be brilliant people. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it's just, it's, it's so difficult to be able to live without whatever that substance is through no fault of that person. And, and what's so interesting too, is how there's different kinds of addictions. Like there is. Yeah. Though there are some addictions where it's like your body actually has a physical need for it. There's like a withdrawal that happens. Yes. With the body. Yeah. Right. And then there's some addictions that are completely psychological. Like there's some drugs where it's like they have studied it and said there's nothing in here physically that can make someone addicted to something. But there can be a psychological connection there. That makes you, and well, I mean, that makes you an addict. I mean, for example, you know, people talk about addiction to something that you do: shopping, pornography, right. gambling. These are there. There are reactions and responses in the brain, and also just how how your brain works in terms of what stimulates it, what what excites it. Um, how how your brain perceives different situations that can make it more or less likely for you to become addicted. And actually, some people will talk about, they'll sometimes even joke, like, I have an addictive personality. And they'll give examples of how their brain just gets caught up and hyper-focused in, in one way. And then they find they shift out of it, but then the brain finds something else and they just keep kind mm-hmm. of shifting to more and more different things. And they just, you know, find their way to, to deal and manage. But yeah, it is interesting how sometimes there's something physiological with that drug. Yes. And then other times there are these other facets of it. Um, and I think both can be really hard for people to fully grasp that it's more than just a person choosing to do something or not do something. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it be, it, it just becomes all encompassing. Yes. And, and your world ends up revolving around it and you didn't decide to have your, your world revolve around this. Yes. People don't choose and say, Oh, Hey, um, I, I want a future where all I think about is this drug or doing this thing. No, people aren't choosing that for themselves. Right. And what's also interesting is, like you said, it ends up encompassing everything about you. Like you, you'll see it in artists. You'll, you'll see it in, you know, whether it's like musicians or, or, or painters or, or writers. So many, we've seen it throughout history so many times where, it gets to the point where they don't feel like they can successfully function and do that mm. without oh. obtaining some form of drug first or without oh. being drunk or without oh. be it getting high or, or, or something, whatever that addiction is, satisfying it. And then yes. they are able to oh. 
function either and it ends up pushing them to their limits because so many times just like venom it's like in order for you to get to a certain place you need to do it more and more um and like Bane, for example, in the uh, Bane from the Arkham games, the first time you see him timeline wise in Arkham Origins, he's a big guy, but he's not the grotesquely big Bane. He's yeah, he's like a, he looks like a big wrestler. Right. Yeah. And throughout as he fights Batman, he starts using a little bit of venom here mm. and then Batman will beat him and he'll get yeah. down on one knee and then he'll use a little bit more. And then so on and so on. And then by the end of Arkham Origins, now he's at this point where he's gotten, he, he is the bang that we know. Like, oh, okay. So interesting. Yeah. yeah. He's absolutely huge and grotesque and just massive. And then later on in the Arkham games, they developed a, another kind of venom and uh the joker ends up taking it and it ends up in the long run being fatal uh for the joker in that universe mm. he ends up taking the venom and getting super big to do what bane does try and beat batman right and so it's yeah. almost like you're when it comes to addictions and 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 stuff like that, so many times, in order to feel what you felt before, yep. you push those limits yep. even more, trying to get back to that perfect that perfect yep. place. And and some people's brains too are just going to be more drawn to to these effects. So, I mean, there's definitely genetic components to things for sure. Uh, we see it time and time again in the research, just like these family histories of things. But then also people's brains vary in terms of how much stimulation you need. Um, so uh, like ADHD, for example, I mean, we've talked about ADHD a few times, you know, mm -hmm. how, how much does the brain need stimulation or, or how easily can the brain focus? All of these differences across people. And so when it comes to the brain, the, the different kind of levels of, of you have of like different neurotransmitters and how reactive your brain might be, you might be drawn towards certain things. So mm -hmm. for example, um, folks who really strive, their brain really wants to be stimulated all the time. Mm -hmm. Well, maybe you want your brain to shut off at some point. So yes. you take a few drinks. Right. Or you pop, you sneak a few benzos from somewhere. You find some benzodiazepines from somewhere. Right. Um, or maybe, I mean, let's take something most of us can relate to. Let's say you're, you're dead tired and you need to focus. So you drink mm -hmm. some caffeine. Right. And you drink more caffeine. You drink more yeah. caffeine. And before you know it, you're drinking a ton of caffeine just so you can function and I don't want to stop because then I'll get a huge headache and be yep, down. You'll get a headache right? and you'll be irritable and you'll be uh -huh. frustrated. And yep. it's like, why? Oh. Yep. Oh, right. Yeah. It's like, and it's, so, yeah. I mean, you can replace that with meth, with heroin, et cetera. Right. And so a lot of people might not be able to relate to those, but you can relate to the caffeine. I know you can. Caffeine, sugar. 
sugar, you know, uh, nicotine is uh, a hugely Mm -hmm. addictive drug um, and is normalized in some ways. Um, And so, yeah, I mean, it's, you know, I, I, I do like how they show someone who has addiction. And once again, it varies how they kind of approach it with him, but someone who has addiction, who is also, you know, someone not to be toyed with. Uh, this is this is someone with with a, a lot to their credit. Yes. Um, which which I think is good because yeah, the the running stereotype is that, you know, in order to fall into this, you must be gullible in some way. Are you there's something, there's a flaw within you. You don't have the willpower. Think of the willpower Bane has to have to calculate all of this stuff in mm-hmm. order to to take out Batman. Uh, and he also has an addiction. Yeah. And, you know, and one thing that, and and I'll say one, there is a storyline where they kind of round it out and it's very interesting. It is the, um, it's called The Last Vengeance of Bane. It was his one shot for uh, one bad, for the one bad ah. day series so that Keaton- came out. Keaton was able to read it. I didn't have time to, but I told him it's okay to spoil it for me. <laughs> yeah. And so, but it's, it, it takes place in the future and it is an older Bane. He's, Ooh. yeah, he's a, it's an older Bane. He's not on Venom anymore. He's basically kind of beaten this habit, but what he is addicted to is that triumphant moment when he broke Batman's back. Ah, mm-hmm. That is something that he can never get past to the point where it's like that was his greatest moment in his whole life. And um, he finds out that there's still venom out there. And Uh... it's really interesting because what ends up happening is he's like, okay, he gets to where the venom is. And all along, they're telling you this story about how originally. They got rid of all the venom. Bane actually teams up with Batman to get rid of all of the venom. Yeah. And Bane almost make and Bane make basically makes this deal with Batman. Like after this, I want another fight with you. Mm-hmm. Breaking your back was my highest achievement. Yeah. I want that back again. And in this he's, story, yeah, he's still. Yeah, He's still desperate for the high. Yeah. And in this storyline, what's so interesting is at one point when they're going after the Venom, I think uh, Batman actually dies. Batman Mm -hmm. actually dies and it just leaves Bane feeling just all of this regret because he's like, this was Mm -hmm. my arch nemesis. And also probably the only person that really understood me. And at the end, you know, Bane actually... This one, a lot of the one bad days, it's like heartbreaking. This one, they give him a bit. It's more, it's more redeeming because hey. he does get offered the venom again. Yeah, and he doesn't do it. Good for you, Bay. Yay! Yeah. He doesn't do it. He's give, awesome. it. It's given it to. It's given to him, and he breaks it and he burns the whole factory down. It's like, no, awesome. I'm not doing this anymore, and. Then he takes a kid under his wing, yeah, 
and they kind of just ride off into the sunset together him and this so, so this you're kid. telling me he turns into batman right kind of right and and on the, the dichotomy is yeah. definitely there right like yeah. oh chasing something that he can never get back mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. right like the yeah the dichotomy is definitely there and also one thing that's interesting about it because the, the one thing that i as i was reading it i could not quite pull for bane because i'm not mm. past him killing alfred yet i'm just not there <laughs> city, city of bane was rough city of bane was yeah. rough yeah. i'm not there yet i'm not there yet and so reading this post city of bane which and it does take place in that timeline wait I really think, i think at one point they reference like you killed Alfred, and I can never forgive you for that. I was that. about to say, I can't believe Batman worked with him after right. that. I assumed it was right. a different, but, from a different story. Yeah. But Batman's always been goal-oriented, right? And so it's one of those things, like, okay, yeah. I do need to get rid of all this venom that's on the planet. Mm. Fine. I'll deal with Bane. And then you mm. know what? We're going to have our epic showdown, because I do want to fight you. And yeah. throughout them teaming up together... And taking down this basically this venom ring, they never become friends, but they gain this mutual understanding of each oh. other. And then it it really does upset Bane when Batman ends up giving his life mm. to take out this last bit of venom. Yeah. And basically telling Bane, like, hey, you have to do this. Because it's one of those things like, hey. I'm holding this guy down. You have to blow it, like, in order to... It's one of those, like, Batman sacrifices himself. Um, And it leaves Bane in a very broken down place because he's like, this was my biggest enemy, and now what am I supposed to do with these emotions? Like, he really goes through it. And I enjoyed the story, but I couldn't fight feel it because because this is, like, that was the last thing that I read. Because yeah. and right before that, I watched him snap Alfred's neck, and I'm like, no, no, I, <laughs> you don't know. You don't get a a, a sad redeeming story. I don't know. <laughs> so okay, I actually think that's a really great thing that I hadn't thought about either. Was so, do we believe in redemption, and do we believe in you've gone too far? What is, what is too far? And, you know, like, so murder. And, I mean, he, yeah, he, he had no qualms about murdering Alfred either in that nope. storyline. He was perfectly fine with it. Yeah, Bane kills a lot of people throughout Bane his storylines. Yeah, Bane kills a lot of people. He, he manipulates. He mm-hmm. focuses on destruction. Yes, his life started out rough, but at a certain point, you're culpable for your own actions. Mm-hmm. And then he goes on to do this really important thing with the venom. When when does someone earn their redemption? I think that that's a really important question for you know the summer of infamy and talking about villains is how much do we as humans really and and I think it varies based on the situation, based on our cultures, our our religious beliefs, and a whole host of other things, but. It's a complicated question because I I think a lot of times we pretty quickly put out there like, oh, yeah, we, you know, we want people to become better and, and, you know, 
be able to redeem themselves. We want to think that if we make a mistake or we make a poor choice, we can come back from it. Right. But when is too far? Yes. And I think that's a tricky question. It, you know, it is. And when it comes to redemption, one of those things that's interesting is so many times it is how someone else sees you and not how you yeah. see yourself. And, Point. and, but at the same time, it's also the reverse of it, right? Because how many yeah. times have we been in situations where we're upset about something we did yeah. and, the person that it might have even hurt or people that were affected completely forgive you. It's okay. Let's yeah. move on. And you still yeah. don't forgive yourself. So it's, there's, it's like, there's two kinds of redemption. There's the redemption that you seek from others. Yeah. And there's the redemption that you can only get from yourself. Well, let me, let me add something else to complicate this. Redemption for yourself when others do not forgive you. So, oh, wow. uh, yeah, wow. I mean, I've, I've worked with people in trying to help them move past situations in which the other people are not okay and might not want them to be able to heal or move on. Um, they've abused other people. They've murdered other people. They've, sexually assaulted or abused other people. I, I mean, you, and being a therapist, yes, they, there are things where they might be triggering for you and you can't be there fully for the people you're working for. And so you need to be mindful of that. And when you might need to refer so someone can get better treatment mm -hmm. than you can provide. But at the end of the day, we, we aren't really able to choose who walks in the door and you never know what those people are going to share and you're trying to approach them in a non-judgmental way to help them live their best life. And, and hopefully through living their best life, live the best life in, in terms of impacting other people. But it, it is a struggle. And sometimes people might not like the role that I take. Uh, but I believe that being able to have the potential for redemption is important. Mm -hmm. If a person doesn't have a way toward redemption, then why would they change? Right. And so if someone's done something terrible and they want to be able to move past it and, and find an alternative path, it's probably better for all of us that they do that versus potentially the alternative right. where they feed even further into those terrible things they did because, well, now there's no going back. So here's my only option. So I might as well dive in. And, and th that's an interesting, that's an interesting um, thing right there too, because it makes me think about things like when, when people get out, uh, when people go to prison and then yeah. they get out and it, it might not be that way for other countries out there, but specifically for the United States, you're, you're, you're never really forgiven by society, right? Because even right. if you do something wrong, like say for instance, you rob a bank or you commit some kind of felony where you go to prison, you yep. do your time, you might learn a trade, you could be fully rehabilitated. And when you get out, you're not able to find a job. Right. You're shown. You have to report. You have to report your criminal background for tons yeah. of jobs, for apartments. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's and, tough. And it, 
yeah, you can't, you can't vote. You know? depending depending on the situation yeah there yeah, are times you're not able to vote. you can't vote anymore and it's one of those things where it's like okay w- w- when is enough because they're trying to be a better person they're trying to do better and they aren't allowed to do so and then on top of that it like you said it always gets complicated because at what point is it like no they deserve to be shunned right or is it hey let them get a pass because I'll like prime example. If someone is 15 Mm. and robs a gas station, right? They go to jail for 20 years. They get out in most people's eyes. If they did not like commit a murder or hurt anyone in most people's eyes. Okay. They were 15. Now they're 35. Yeah. They get to start over. And get There's a, a lot life. of change that can happen in all those right. years. I was a different person at 15. Yeah. Right. In most people's eyes, okay, that's rehabilitative. But if you take that into something like something like uh uh things like uh sexual crimes, yeah. right? And suddenly it's like, okay, mm, I I'm not there yet. I'm not there with giving them a pass. And it's one of those things where it's like, okay, I can't fault someone for not being like, no, that's messed up what you did. Yeah. I don't forgive that. Um, and, and so it's one of those things that's, that's very interesting. And it, it, the reason I thought about it is, and I had it in my notes was it, like you said, at what point is, does someone come back from not, being forgiven and i think that line is different for everyone because even when i was reading the one bad day i'm like that's a great story and all but uh bro you killed out <laughs> well and also think about it so when you were telling me about him getting rehabilitated i was like oh that's so nice but you know what i i didn't just read city of bane i read city of bane a while ago i loved it i've read it a few times but it's been a little bit it wasn't fresh in my mind and I think that's a good example, too, where yeah. if if Batman had needed to get rid of Venom a few years after Alfred was killed, I don't think he would care if it would be more feasible with Bane. I think he'd find another way. Yeah. I don't think he would have done. So, so what are the things you might need distance? Or you might need time for that person to show that um, they're, they've learned or they've grown. Mm-hmm. Um, so a lot of times people focus on like repeat offenders or whatever. Uh, but you also need to keep in mind though, that how we treat people can, we, we don't decide for them. I'm not saying, you know, it, you're at fault, but we can influence how that person chooses to, to go through the rest of their life. So, I mean, I mean, here's an example. Okay. Um, you know, some, some 15 year old. Uh, okay. They rob a convenience store or something like you were talking about. And okay, not great. I'll, I'll give you not great. But then you send them, let's say you charge them as an adult. Or maybe even they go to in the juvenile courts. Well, then you're surrounded by a bunch of other people who have also committed crimes. Mm-hmm. In a place filled with people that have committed crimes. Well, Okay, you're going to have unfortunately a higher rate of people with mental health conditions because uh, the 
prison system is really our biggest mental health institution in the United States. Fun fact. Um, so unfortunately, um, there's there's that piece. Just because we don't know how to support people, and so they end up in the legal system. Um, but then also, you're around more people who are choosing to break the law, and so you're you're not around as many people who aren't breaking the law. So think about that. Right. Think about what we've talked about before in a lot of things. The environments around you that influence of your environment. you. You can be a product of your environment. So in some ways, it can be harder to rehabilitate. And we, we, if we're not careful and we don't find ways to like give people treatment if there was something happening or give people, even more importantly, give people resources. Mm-hmm. You know what makes people more likely to steal? People who are desperate and have tried all the other avenues. Right. Um, is that always why people steal? No. But just keeping in mind that there are different things our society or we can do or how we treat people that can influence if they're more or less likely to end up in a scenario where they go further and further down this path that's harder to have redemption. But yeah, you know, I I think it gets particularly tricky if you have victimized another person. Right. Uh, it, It gets really tricky. What is redemption? Um, redemption for yourself, redemption by society, redemption by the people you did something to. It's complicated stuff. And you know what gets uh, what gets super frustrating too is the fact that it comes down to personal preference, personal mm-hmm. stories. Right? It's mm-hmm. like out out like prime example. What made me feel anything at all for Bane in that um in that issue in the um, one bad day issue was thinking back on his childhood yeah, and how he grew up in prison. See the thing, like it's, Mm -hmm. it's easy to shun, like it's easy to shun a criminal, right? But the people closest to them feel completely differently because they see a full picture, which can be a good thing or a bad thing because either way it's bias. True. Either yeah. way, it's it's bias in some way. Like if you were the person who that crime was committed on or against, you might not never forgive them, yeah. right? You might not because that was a that was traumatic for you. That was horrible. Yeah. And on the other side of that, that person's parents probably forgave them the moment they said sorry. Yeah. Right. Well, and then on the flip side too, the the people who are negatively impacted. Mm-hmm. Redemp- redemption for the person who acted against you, who hurt you. Um, some people choose to take that path and they might call it forgiveness. They might call it just moving on. They might call it, um, I have no ill will toward that. I don't necessarily forgive them, but I'm moving on and they have to move on as well. You know, there are different ways of of taking this on, but you know, we we also have to find a way to be able to move forward. The person who does the victimizing and the people who are victimized. Mm-hmm. And, it, you know, it is, it's definitely tricky. And the thing is, is that Batman is like you were describing. I mean, I haven't read this one, but from what you're saying, he's never going to forget what he did to Alfred. Right. He's not going to be able to let that go. 
but he's able to find a way to move forward so that he's not just sitting in resentment and not being able to do what needs to be done. He's finding a path forward. Um, and yeah, so, you know, I, I think that sometimes we also say, how could they ever forgive them? Or how could they ever, you know, uh, try and help that person or be okay? I mean, they were the ones that were hurt. Right. You know, it, it's the same there where the more you sit in it, the the more you're victimized, the more you're hurt, and the mm-hmm. more it keeps you from being able to have a life outside of what happened to you that right. you didn't have control over. But what you have control over is what do I do with it from here so that hopefully I can still live, right. find a way to live. And so, yeah, redemption is a super complicated thing. Yeah. And and it, it's it's really sad. Like Bane's story is so sad. And so when you look at it, everything he's doing is a direct result of how horrible he had it. He doesn't care about hurting people in society because look what society did to him. Yep. They they banished a child to life in prison. And he just was raised in in hell. I mean, and that's something that's that, that sticks with him for every timeline. Even Dark Knight Rises, you know, he has the line, I was born in it, raised by it. Like, you know, he's like, <laughs> that's, that's pretty good. Yeah, that's his, like, he just, like, by the time I saw the light, it was nothing to me but blinding. Like, I'm like, ooh, yep. that sucks, but ooh, like, <laughs> it's like, it's one of those, <laughs> like, you feel, you feel for him. You feel for him because it's like, man, that is. And that's horrible. important. It's important to recognize the humanity, even in the people who do terrible, terrible things. Mm-hmm. One, because they are amongst us. And if you yeah. see someone as a monster, you're not going to recognize when something bad is happening right. because you expect a monster in front of you. No, right. it comes from people. But then also, perhaps more importantly, is if you don't see someone as a human, you're not going to treat them as a human. And they might not be treating you as a human. And that might be part of all the issue. But the more you treat someone as a human, the harder it is for them to kind of fall into what what you're talking about with Bane. Mm -hmm. Bane sees everyone as being harmful. And so protect yourself. Have, Have safety and boundaries. You know, if there are people out there like Bane, don't, don't just, you know, be buddy-buddy and be like, hey, what's up? Be aware yeah. of the history. I'm not saying ignore he's Bane. Give yourself a, a good distance in the room. Right. <laughs> but also treat him as a human. Yeah. I'm sorry that happened to you. I <laughs> hope you figure it out. No, we cannot be roommates. <laughs> right. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's like I. Yeah. I will say hello to you at the grocery store. Please do not follow me home. Right. I want what's yeah. best for you. But I nope. I don't I don't want to be in I don't want to be involved in your pyramid scheme. Just let me go. <laughs> let me go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I so I do want to hit on though, because we haven't talked about it, but just to like wrap up, I know that uh so Dark Knight Rises, not Keaton's favorite movie. It could have been. Uh, it could have been. Well, it would have never topped Dark Knight as far as that trilogy goes. Yeah. But 
it was on such a good track for me. Yeah. <laughs> so you made a good point comparing that to City of Bane. And I love City of Bane, but I think you had a good point. So you were essentially talking about the same kind of thing happens where you think Bane is being Bane. And then all of a sudden you find out there's someone else pulling right. strings and behind it all. Right. It kind of gets, it kind of gets uh, hijacked because that happened in Dark Knight Rises with, uh, with, with Talia Al Ghul. All of a sudden she's the big bad. And then in City of Bane, one thing I did appreciate is that it wasn't that it was it it wasn't that it wasn't Bane's plan all along because Bane still he was like oh yeah I'm gonna take over the city I'm gonna run this place and but by the end of it the whole thing does kind of get hijacked by yeah Thomas Wayne from Flashpoint which I still never quite understood how he was there <laughs> they never really they never really made sense of it but um but the but even with him the the trauma is still there you know he lost bruce as a child his wife ended up becoming the joker in that timeline she ended up committing suicide and then on top of that you find out that his robin in that timeline was selena cow oh yeah and he loses her yeah and so now he's in this dark place and so he's he Frank Castle Batman. That's what I always call him uh, yeah. because he it's totally like, oh, look, it's Batman, Batman that just loves yeah. shooting people in the face. Like, <laughs> but you know, I, I do think that storyline really, really emphasizes how the reason that Bane loses to Batman is not because he's not a better tactician. He he, see, he seems to be. It's not that he doesn't have more physical prowess. Once again, there's the Venom kind of factor in there, but he oftentimes is stronger but he over he underestimates batman's connection to other people and actually the city of bane storyline batman learns how important connections to people are and bane actually led him to that point mm -hmm. it's like he led him to this breaking point and batman had a choice to make and he chose to find a way to reconnect with people and use his relationships to his advantage not see them as weakness while bane wasn't as at least at that point nope. had not ever been able to do that yeah and then that's that's the crossroads that leads to bane going down and and batman eventually succeeding yeah and and even i mean yeah because even when you read bane's storyline a lot of his storylines he has a, a little teddy bear that he had mm -hmm. with him in yeah. prison and he considers he literally considers that teddy bear his only friend he's so like sad. this is it's like this is my friend i can't trust anyone else all i have is this this is who i was raised this is what i was raised with and even in the um even in the arkham games the teddy bear is there oh, like wow. it like there like anytime you you can always tell when there's about to be a Bane fight because you'll walk into a room or something and you'll see like that little teddy bear and it's like, oh shoot, Bane's about to burst oh, through a brick wall. Yeah, it's really, it's really interesting. Like, yeah, the the that teddy bear is like he's like extremely emotionally attached to it. And I can't remember the yeah. bear's name, but it does have a name. And it is a cute but very beat up yep. teddy bear. I'm like, wow, in another universe, 
Bane could have been Christopher Robin, but instead, <laughs> <laughs> instead he had this life. Thanks for nerding out with us. I'm clinical psychologist Dr. Amelia Brown. And I'm educator and comic aficionado Keaton Hopkins. Check out my TV and movie reviews on YouTube at TeamJVS. Check out our website at bat-therapy.com, our Bat Therapy YouTube channel, and follow us on social media. And don't forget our Patreon page at patreon.com slash bat therapy. See you next week. Same bat time, same bat channel. <laughs>